You ever think about quitting? It's the combat of life hammering the snot out of you. Well, stand by, dig in deep, and get ready to get fired up with us. Welcome to the Team Never Quit Podcast, the number one podcast that inspires you to fight on. I'm your host, David Rutt Rutherford, here with Mr. Never Quit himself, Marcus Luttrell. Our mission is to help you embrace the suck of life, to teach you the values of working your ass off, and to interview the most hard-charging people on planet Earth. We know life is hard. It's time for you to suck it up, buttercup, and let us teach you to persevere in every environment imaginable by sharing real-world lessons learned by those who never quit. That's right. It's time, Marcus, for us to help them defeat the well, negative you insurgency me up, man. in their you lives. Fire me up. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's roll. Let's roll. To the shores of Tripoli. Marcus, let's march. Let's march. Right? Oblique. Right oblique. Left. Oblique. <laughs> nah, that's right about that. From the shores of Montezuma to the hounds of Tripoli. Marcus, where's the... Pass me the handgun. No! No! Every single Marine that's ever... Put that pig sticker away. Don't don't get it out. Put it away. Every single Marine... Here's that song. They start marching. They just <laughs> they start, start marching? marching. I'm really? serious, dude. Have you ever seen it? They stand no. up. Immediately stand up like this. They're like this. They're, they, their chin's chucked in. They're like this. And then all of a sudden it goes, and you're like... Start marching. And they're like... Are they marching too? They're not. They're not. It doesn't matter, dude. It's like, right? Marching in place? Right? Dude, they march... They're bad. Now, where does that come from? Where does that discipline come from, Marcus? They're the proudest veterans, I think. Hands <laughs> down, is that, dude. Is that that's that, that's mm-hmm. probably a good one, right? I mean, oh. I, a lot of we're all good at it, but they're the best. I, I, I got them kick-ass uniforms, bro. They look if, good. If Texas is the proudest state, America might be the proudest citizenry of a nation. Core, Marine right? Corps yeah, yeah. is the proudest branch by, by of the military yeah, service. I'll go with that. Once I like Marine, the way you put Marine. that. Right? Uh-huh. Awesome. Yeah. Well, guess what? We've got someone the Marine Corps can be proud of. Someone that the Marine Corps is proud of, I should say. This person, this incredible woman, has got to be one of the most incredible representation of not only a great Marine, a great uh, representative as an amputee, uh, a great inspiring woman. I mean, you got this person. I mean, I'm telling you what, having Kirsty come on the show is, I've been looking for this since we first started reaching out to her like six months ago. Are you fired up, Wizard? I'm in flames over here. In fuego. Oh my fuego. God. He is, isn't he? How about you, big guy? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's do it. What do you think? Well, first, welcome to the TNQ Podcast. Hey, man, it is our mission, if you're listening for the first time, to inspire you to to make tremendous hurdles over the obstacles in your life, to, to face adversity head on, because that's what the Never Quit Mindset teaches us to do, right? That's why we're here. That's our mission in life. So if this is your first episode you're tuning in, thank you so much. If you are a repeat offender, then God bless you. We love you so much because this wouldn't be happening without you. Because you are the one that keeps telling your friends, telling all those in your life that are in the struggle, that are in the combat of life themselves, hey, you got to listen to the show. You got to listen to these guys and their incredible guests because they're out there putting out incredibly positive content for the world to listen to. So, and to create this epic community that that's the one wizard that's just blowing me away, brother. 
Absolutely. This community that's starting to happen with our, our listener write-ins that are posted on the website, uh, with the fact that now we're bringing people who've written in these, Ameri- I mean, miraculous stories of never quitting, and we're having them on as guests, right, Marcus? Right? Uh, that's one of the greatest things about it is watch this thing grow. And, and to hear the stories, the collective in this room, we've seen a lot, but mm-hmm. good and bad, and it never fails, man, the... Kind of the human condition, the stories that, that come across our screens. It's like, what? 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 <laughs> Jesus, what? <laughs> Is that real? <laughs> no. And, and that's the beautiful thing. So if you want to join our team or learn more about us, please visit our website at tnqpodcast.com. Follow us on social media and, and join in. And if you're really fired up and you've got a great story, please write in, share your story with our community. If it's, you know, we're going to, we'll post it up on the site. If it's good, man, we, there's a chance we're going to read it at the end of one of our shows. And if it's great, Marcus, what do we do? Coming on. You're coming on, man. You're coming on to be a guest on the TNQ podcast. All right. Let's pivot. Wizard, could you sure. please tell our listeners a little bit more about Kirsty? Absolutely. So she was uh, born in Florida to Marine Corps parents. She herself joins at 17. She becomes a uh, door gunner and a helo and an airframe mechanic. Door gunner on a space shuttle. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love it. It's the favorite thing I ever said. You ever successfully get anyone to believe? No. No. Have you seen the the actual... The the dive pin uh, bubble, it looks like a a NASA uh, helmet. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That and the lead sled, we got to sport for until we get that 11th jump. <laughs> you literally pull door gunner off, uh, especially with the Trident gazing over the top. Of, well, yeah. you wouldn't have that yet, but. No. Um, yeah, the other. That, the door gunner on the space shuttle. There's actually uh, uh, an image on the internet of a door gunner in the space shuttle, and it's awesome. No, really? it's cool. Yeah, I swear to God, there's an image out there. Yeah. All right, go. Sorry. So she herself joins the uh, Corps at 17. That's in 2008. Um, six years, she is a door gunner, airframes mechanic with them until she suffers a... She's involved in a, in a helo crash. Major injuries involving, uh, well, brain trauma, spinal fractures. She had a lot of damage to her face, her shoulders. Most notably, though, a lot of damage to her, her lower leg. 2015, they have to amputate it below the knee. Um. As in many of these cases, multiple surgeries were involved. Eventually, she has to also have the knee removed. So she, she becomes an above-the-knee amputee uh, that was following a, an infection. So all in total, 44 surgeries. After that, she's most uh, well-known for being an adaptive athlete. She's done things such as walked 1,000 miles across, across England to uh, take place Crazy. in a Walking for the Wounded Charity event. She... Is training. Um, she's still currently training and has competed as a snowboarder. She's training for the 2018 Paralympics in South Korea. Coming up here, she's also in pursuit of claiming the seven summits. Uh, for those not familiar, that are those are the seven highest peaks on the seven different continents. She has claimed a couple of those. She just came back. Um, I believe she just came back from Everest, and we know she's done Kilimanjaro. Was the first above the knee female to ever accomplish that feat. In addition to that, we know right now she's involved in, in many other charity-type or, um, organizations and events. In addition to that, we know that she just started, I don't know if it's out there yet, Adventures Enabled as a TV show, which is highlighting disabled uh, veterans doing various outdoor activities. So that's what she's currently up to right now. She's awesome, dude. I'm telling you what, I cannot wait to hear what this woman has to say. What do you say, Jen? Let's get her on. Let's do it. Marcus, and what I love more than anything else on the planet is that we finally, we finally got a door gunner on the show, right? I mean, I tell you what, I used to tell everybody I was a door gunner on the space shuttle, right? I mean, it's one the of submarine. The cool- <laughs> I, when I got to STVs, I was the door gunner on a submarine. No, right? Wait, that's awesome. It no. is awesome, right? But she's legitimately <laughs> a, real a one. door a real. gunner. 
Wait, and what's one of the greatest movie lines in human history? You shoot women and children. How do you shoot women and children? It's easy. You just don't lead them as much. much. (laughs) So I, I just, I'm telling you, the fact that she's on... The fact that we finally got her here, brother. That, that guy's scene was like it was it was <laughs> minuscule in the movie, but everyone remembers. It, that's the that biggest guy, yeah. scene. That right? is a kick-ass freaking hands God. out. So, let, dude, let's bring her on because I can't wait anymore. I'm chopping out in a bit, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. I'd like to introduce you to Semper Fidelis, do or die, Kirstie Enos. Are you there? Are you there for us? <laughs> I'm here. Good morning. Good morning to you. Holy cow. It's awesome having you with us. Thank you. Happy to be here. All right. Now, listen, this is not your typical podcast. I'm sure you hopefully you've listened to at least one (laughs) show and you know what you're getting yourself into. (laughs) I've got a couple under my belt. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you've got one or two for sure, but none like this. I guarantee it. Right. No. (laughs) <laughs> all right all right so here's what we gotta do and and you know this you you were in in the service a long time and we we gotta get warmed up so the way we warm up on a tnq podcast is we do the mad minute now the mad minute is a free firing mod deuce coming at you just hardcore <laughs> bop, 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 of the most intelligent questions that you'll ever be asked in your entire life all right mm-hmm. and whatever pops into your head okay. just let it fly is that does that sound like a deal all right sounds good all right all right so stand by marcus fire away okay what's a car you always wanted to own um 67 nova Ooh. That's super cool. I, that. I didn't expect a 67 Nova at all. <laughs> I have a 67 Shelby. I, I like the, the, the year for cars was good. It was a great year for cars. It was the Plus. summer of love, baby. All right, wizard. <laughs> all right, if aliens exist, do you want them to most closely resemble either Alien from the Aliens movie series, Avatar, or Mars Attacks? Oh, Mars Attacks. Ack, ack, ack. <laughs> Yes! She nailed it. I mean, she so nailed great. it. She so great. I mean, she didn't even hesitate, brother. Who was the last person we asked that that nailed it too? Uh, I don't know, but that was their choice. Oh, it's always Brad that. Snyder. I think Brad was Brad Snyder. Yeah. Exactly. Oh my God, that was perfect. I love it. <laughs> All right. If you were straight, here you go. If you were stranded on a on a uh, an island in the Pacific or wherever for the rest of your life. And you had one movie you could watch. What movie would it be? Oh, geez. Um, oh, geez. Oh, no. Uh, Dumb and Dumber. Oh, that's so good. Oh, yeah. Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> oh, that's so good. What's the one line? Oh, that, that John Denver's full of shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. All right, fire away, Marcus. All right, favorite superhero? Um, I'm going to go with the Hulk. Nice. Why? Well, I mean, I like how calm he can be, and it only takes one little thing to calm him down, you know, the little lady. But on the same, on mm. the same note, he's kind of like me. Like, I have quite a temper. I, I feel like I relate to him quite a bit. <laughs> You and me both. I think we're yeah. all kind of... A, a little... I like to think I'm bigger than what I really am, so... Nice. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> All right, wizard, fire away. All right, if you could give your prosthetic leg an upgrade to one of the following, which would you choose? A, it can double as a squad automatic weapon. B, a chainsaw. C, a leaf blower. D, a rocket-assisted pogo stick. Or E, a gecko foot. I'm going to go with the pogo stick. D, I oh, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> rocket-assisted. Dude, imagine that. Like, you hit and... <laughs> Super cool. <laughs> oh, that's an epic. An- I didn't. I figured you were going to go with the the web, the squad automatic mm-hmm. weapon. She's a climber. Oh, I thought maybe the makes- gecko foot. There you the go. That's why you threw the gecko foot <laughs> yeah. in there. Does the gecko foot work like a gecko foot? Uh, no, it just looks like one. Yes, it functions like a real gecko foot. <laughs> 
how am I supposed to know? You come up with these crazy ass questions. How am I supposed to know? <laughs> All right, Marcus, fire away. Last question. What's your favorite place to relax? Oh, God. I don't even know if I know how to relax, to be totally honest. But um, mm. in all seriousness, I, I definitely find myself in the mountains. I was uh, say, it's miserable. You know, when you get to the top of the mountain, you still have to come, you know, all the way back down. But I would definitely say just out in the woods, middle of nowhere, a little bit of cold, a little bit of snow, and, you know, just absorbing, you know, all the world around us has to offer. Because quite, quite frankly, um, I need a little bit of peace in all this chaos I have. Amen to that. Well, you're living there now, right? You're in uh, Colorado, correct? Yeah. That's awesome. What a great answer. And that that's, I think that's a perfect pivot point for us to, to move into why people actually listen to the show. They, they don't honestly listen to the show for the mad minute. Although I think a certain demographic of knuckle draggers definitely like that part the most. But the reason why people come to the show is because... As you and I, we all know, we all face incredible obstacles. We face just tremendous adversity in our lives. And there are people out there right now in, in the midst of their own war, their own battle, and they're desperately searching for something, some kind of uh, positivity, some kind of tool, some kind of inspiration or motivation, whatever you want to call it, to help get them in the fight, to help them develop their never quit mindset. So, if you could, would you please share with our listeners, with everybody out there, your greatest never quit story or stories? Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, a little bit of background on me. I served in the Marine Corps for six years as a helicopter door gunner and um, an airframes mechanic. And on my last deployment to Afghanistan, right outside of Nauzad, my helicopter crash and unfortunately I sustained um, a variety of injuries everything from a pretty severe traumatic brain injury to spinal cord injuries to damage to my arms and then um, I'm also missing my left leg above the knee now and you know people look at me and they think oh my god she's missing a leg that must be terrible that must be you know so hard to get through you know day to day and that's really not the case Um, you know quite frankly it was the invisible things that really took its toll on me. You know, I did two years of speech therapy, two years of cognitive therapy, two years of vestibular therapy, um, just to be able to to get my brain to function the right way, to to really work on my word retrieval and recognition and, you know, be able to identify who my family members were. And, you know, I fought for about a year to stay in, um, really, really hoped that the Marine Corps was going to be able to, to find me a job elsewhere outside of aviation. And, um, unfortunately they came to me and said, you know, you run your course, it's time to go when they forced me into a medical retirement. Well, wow. my whole life being, um, you know, a daughter of two Marines, I, that was my dream. All I wanted to do is be a Marine. And, you know, I wholeheartedly planned on being a Marine for 20, 30 years, however long I could stay in. And, that was taken away from me um, and really struggled with repurposing myself. And, um, mm. you know, not too terribly long ago, my suffering was, was brought to another level. Um, I caught an infection in the hospital after one of my revisions to my amputation. And, um, you know, they told me that I needed to go ahead and tell my family goodbye, that they didn't think that I would be here by Christmas. And, oh, my God. Um, that was kind of, yeah, that was kind of my... You know, that was the second time that, you know, my life was being taken away from me at a very young age. Um, You know, two times by the time I was 25 years old, I'm sitting there fighting for my life. And, you know, at this point, you know, through this whole recovery, I had really focused on the outdoors and utilizing recreational therapy to get my feet underneath me again. And I had this whole dream of competing in the Paralympics, you know, representing my country Again, mm-hmm. just in a different uniform and a different capacity, and now they tell me that you're dying again. Wow. <laughs> um, so the second time, you know, my dream turned into a nightmare, and the years 2015 and 2016 were just an uphill battle. I mean, God bless the Navy because they did a great job keeping me alive and repairing this broken body of mine. But at the same time, um, just last year. Um, 
I had to have another revision to my amputation where a civilian doctor had to go in and clean up the Navy's mess that they made and take two more inches of my femur. So, I mean, the, the last four years have been, you know, pretty, pretty terrible. Um, but you know, I kind of had my turning point when, you know, my dad looked at me and said, you've got to be kidding me. You know, you came home alive from the war and now you're going to let your life go. And, you know, you're going to let the enemy succeed in the end. Like you, you've got to be shitting me. And, you know, <laughs> that was kind of when my light bulb went off. And, you you got to love your pop, right? Yep. Basically pull your head out of your ass real quick. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, and, <laughs> And, and, uh, but that's what I needed. You know, you need to hear the right thing from the right person at the right time. And that's when, uh, you know, I realized that I made it home. There's a lot of, um, guys and gals that never made it home. And just because I'm a little different now, doesn't mean that there's not a you know whole life ahead of me. So, um, fortunately, uh, 2017 really has been my year. Um, four months after the last surgery, I, um, climbed Kilimanjaro and raised $150,000 with water boys for clean water for the East Tanzanians. I became the first, um, female veteran amputee to summit Karstens, which is yep. the most technical and volatile, um, of the seven summits down in Indonesia. Yep. I literally just got back from Nepal from trekking up to Everest base camp. Um, so it was really just one of those things of, you know, finding that support system, you know, finding the people that believe in you and, uh, you know, repurpose yourself. And I think I've found a pretty unique platform to to hopefully inspire others to, to use a little bit more of their potential now. I just think, I mean, you know, and and I mentioned, I touched on this a little bit in the opening, but, you know, when I, I, when I first heard of you and started following you, I, I was blown away, man, because... Like most people, it takes years to kind of process the the change of life and to get into the swing and then to be able to become active and and all these different types of organizations that you're a part of. But you literally like it happened almost instantaneously, it seems like for you. And and when we finally met each other at the Whiteheart Foundation uh, motorcycle ride, the ride to the flags uh, man, you, you're, you're just on, you're on fire. I mean, you're on fire. <laughs> is, does, can I ask you a question about does you know, as you're, you're, you're obviously still going through the process and it's a lifelong journey, you know, but does staying as busy as you are, is that, are you doing that for a reason or are you doing it just to kind of, to not have to think about the other stuff? Uh, well, there's really two reasons for it. A, staying busy keeps me out of trouble, seriously. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, just being so busy, like, it does distract me. Like, it keeps me from worrying about, you know, the the bad things, if you will, that are taking place in my life and whatnot. But, you know, it makes me feel good to do good things for other people. And, you know, whether that's morally right or not, I don't know. But, you know, I I couldn't serve in the military in the way that I wanted to anymore. Um, so I really needed to figure out what, what the hell I was going to do with the rest of my life. And I decided that I was still going to serve people, just, you know, how to, how to navigate how I was going to do that. Um, and by being so involved in all these different organizations, I can still be a part of the military community or the veteran community and still kind of give back and dedicate my life to the the guys and girls that stood to my left and my right. And on the flip side of that, um, you know, I really just want to show, especially kids, kids with adversity that are dealing with, you know, whether you can see it or not, some sort of disability or, you know, hell, whether they're just dealing with stuff at school or dealing with stuff at home that, you know, that's, you control it, you know, you control the circumstances and, you know, you choose how to live your life at the end of the day. Amen. And hopefully, hopefully I'm getting that across with what I'm doing. Well, I, I'd read uh, an article uh, and people did a, a piece on you after the ESPN cover. And you'd say, well, the one thing that really, really gets you is, is kids. And you talked about this, this little girl who wore her prosthetic and saw you with your prosthetic and what that made her feel and, and, and what her dad had said to you. Can you talk a little bit about that experience? Yeah. Well, you know, I really, 
how I figured out that I really wanted to get involved with, you know, kids or people with adversity or people with disability is um, a couple of years after I got hurt in Afghanistan, I took on the crazy endeavor of walking a thousand mile, miles across the UK. And I did it to honor 25 Marines that never made it home. So I made memorial dog tags of each one, carried each one for 40 miles, and then left them in a significant place around wow. the UK. Um, and about mile 500, walking through one of these little towns, a little girl comes up to me in a wheelchair. and She has braces on her legs. And she says, I'm just like you. Damn right, you're just like me, and you're going to be able to do whatever it is your heart desires. And, you know, so I had this conversation with her for a little bit and kind of go on my way and following like a little boy with hearing aids, something as small as hearing aids came up to me and said, Hey, I'm just like you. Damn right. You're just like me. And you can go out and do whatever you want to do with the rest of your life. And that's where I realized that there was a lot more of me to give to a lot of Mm. other people. Um, And that specific instance that you're talking about with the little girl with a prosthetic, um, She had never seen a lady, a girl, a woman with a prosthetic like hers, a prosthetic that comes way up high and doesn't have a knee and doesn't have a foot. And she was just so fascinated. You know, she, in her mind, she was going to grow up and be just like me and she could climb mountains and snowboard. And, you know, that, that gives, that gives a little girl like everything, you know, hope and aspirations. And yes, exactly. And, and, you know, it may sound petty, but when I was, Oh, geez, I would have been 21 when they told me that I was going to lose my leg. And the first thing I thought about was, oh, my God, am I going to be able to wear a dress? Am I going to be able to wear heels? Who's going to look at me different, differently? Can I ever be a mom? Like, all of it sound kind of, you know, petty, like maybe a little superficial with, you know, the girly things. Hmm. But, you know, those are the exact same things that these kids and the younger generations are dealing with. So for her to be able to see me and be able to see me, you know, making the covers of magazines and doing these different things, that provides her a totally new sense of normalcy. Um, and in turn, like I said, gives me a totally new purpose. Well, yeah, it really I, moves the standard. Oh, absolutely. It moves that standard, right? And what, what, I, what I picked up right there is, and I love this, and we talk about this all the time, right, Marcus, is what is normal for us? <sighs> Exactly. And I was listening to you talk about when you first got hurt. And, you know, when we get hurt and we get busted up, especially when they tell us that we can't carry the line anymore, it, it, it's tough. But good on your dad because once a Marine, always a Marine, right? That's a, that's a real thing for you guys. And what you, you, I mean, you represent the American warrior class. And that 2015, 2016, when you were said you were in that dark spot, man, that was kind of like an incubation process of what you were about to become. I mean, you, you need to understand the way you carry yourself. I had a hard time with this too. So the Marine Corps actually pulled you off the line and put you into the civilian world to represent the Marine Corps in their best standards. And you have kids that you don't have any idea. I mean, what you, now you do, what you affect and how you affect people just by getting up every day and going out and doing something. That's it. Mm-hmm. Just carrying <laughs> yourself like a Marine is, is your life because you, I mean, you said you always wanted to be one. Guess what? You are one. All right. And it's, there's no shameful process in that. I mean, it's kind of that forever uniform. You walked in it and yeah, you were upset and I was upset. I got kicked out, you know, relieved of duty early because of the injuries. You can't keep up with the guys. So you're a liability. That's, that's not on you. I mean, we got, and you didn't get hurt. You got injured. There's a difference. You know, hurt, you suck it up, you get back in. Injured means that you the the line is your line is a little bit further behind everybody else's and then you don't want to endanger them, but you got the direction you, you're still walking that marine line. I mean you every every single day. And it's it's man, it's not incumbent upon you, it's just what you are. And every one of those little little Marines that are coming up to you and looking at you and telling you that, man, if it wasn't for you, I couldn't couldn't I wouldn't even have thought, or I couldn't even have done this, or it does. You don't even know really the uh, kind of the reach that you have just by living your life and getting up every day with that positive attitude and um, never giving up. That speaks volumes for you. So I'm those times where you say you're transitioning from life to this, this, that, and the other. Man, that's just kind of like a different duty station as a marine. And every time you go, you know, you go to something new, you figure it out and you push forward. And uh, it's pretty remarkable. I think, I mean, I've 
kind of blown away here. <laughs> totally. Hey, you know, we're talking about kids and we're talking about coming up and, and where they learn things. And both of your parents were Marines, correct? Do you, can you talk yep. a little bit about how that had an effect on, I mean, it obviously did. Can, you know, can you expand on how that had an effect on you uh, being raised by them? Yeah, well, so this will tell you a little bit more about Kirsty herself, but so my mom and my dad got married when they were 18 years old, and my dad joined the Marine Corps right off the bat. They had me a little bit down the line, and we were living on 29 Palms of all mm. places, um, and my mom came in the door <laughs> living on base housing and told my dad, like, those female Marines are pretty badass, and my dad whipped around at my mom, both of them at 27 years old now, and said, I will never be married to a female Marine. My mom turned around, walked out the door, and said, watch this. That makes <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. That speaks volumes. So whether my mom actually joined out of, you know, being stubborn or spite or what it was, um, it, it was a cool thing, you know, because my dad uh, was gone, obviously, quite a bit. And, you know, I was old enough to, you know, go to my mom's, you know, boot camp graduation. And I was just proud, you know, for the forever my favorite shirt was you know my mom's a u.s marine and i wore it all the time they probably couldn't even get it off me to clean it and um you know my my mom was always very patient with me and very understanding and she couldn't get she couldn't wait to get rid of me when i was 17 and she kicked me out to go to the marine corps but on the flip side of that my dad was polar opposite very impatient and very stern and um you know, I, I never feared him by any means, but I idolized him mm-hmm. to the point where I wanted to emulate him because he was so stern with me and, quite frankly, too smart for my own good. I was very mischievous, um, <laughs> and I, I needed somebody like him to kind of govern me a little bit. And, um, you know, I just rem- I the biggest thing about my both of my parents being Marines was the fact that, you know, the heroes were my parents. And I think that's kind of rare in, in today's day and age. No, I, it's extremely rare. And I think what a blessing it is and, and what it can, what it demonstrates and the impact that it can have if you have parents that, that you know, are there and care about you and have an influence. I, I mean, it can guide the rest of your life. It certainly has for you. Let's, I, I'd like to just make a little change. And, you know, I think, and you probably get this all the time where it's like, all right, what was the crash like? What what did you feel? What went down? What were the circumstances? But every time we have somebody on that in the particular a scenario that's reminiscent or similar to what you've gone through, what they always, where the real struggle is for everybody and the real never quit moment happens is in the recovery phase. Like we had Kyle Carpenter, you know, Marine Medal Honor winner on, and it wasn't, you know, eating a grenade per se, it was the three years of recovery afterwards and the role his mother played and the role his family played in his recovery. That was the never, those were the never quit moments. So could you dig into that time and the team and the support that you, you had as you went through that transition? Yeah. Well, so obviously with both parents, um, being Marines, it's not like I come from a family with tons of money or anything like that. And with me being a polytrauma and having so many different injuries going on, um, initially they didn't know what hospital to put me at. So I spent some time at Walter Reed and then later they sent me down to Naval Medical Center, San Diego. And, um, you know, my family all comes out for a while and it gets to the point where I'm inpatient for a long time. So my parents literally sold every piece of furniture in the house, um, you know, <laughs> damn near lost their house um, just so that they could sit with me. Well, then at a certain point, you know, mom and dad have to go back. They have to go back to the real world. And I have a younger sister um, that's almost seven years younger than me. So when I got hurt, she was 14 years old in high school. And because my mom and my dad had to leave, my little sister made the very adult decision that she was going to drop out of public high school. And she would go to what's called Florida Virtual Online High School. Yeah. And she did her high school sitting in the hospital bed, or sitting in the hospital next to me. Oh my gosh! Um, so wow, uh, that's at 14 years old. Wow. Well, then, so I get to a point where I'm, 
you know, semi-stable, things are getting a little bit better, I'm learning, you know, slowly to walk again, and my brain function is getting 10 times better what it was, and things are going back up on the upswing, well then, you know, things happen, and it all went back downhill again really quickly. Um, and you know, like I said, when I was ready to give up on myself, when I was tired of fighting, my dad's the one that came to me and was like, no, you're, you're not quitting. You know, I needed the tough love from him. You know, I needed the love from my mom. Like my mom looked at me when I was in the wheelchair and stuff. And if I said I needed something, she'd say, get it your damn self. And that's what I needed. You know, those people by doing little things like that, that's why I kept moving forward. They didn't coddle me. They didn't pat me on my head all the time and tell me that it was going to be okay. there, there, but they like, they put me on my feet. They made me be independent again. And, um, again, you know, fast forward, just a year in the hospital after a revision of the amputation. I mean, MRSA, septic, you know, my legs rotting off the whole terrible, terrible, terrible situation. But my little sister, now she's a junior in college, um, and she drops out. Well, not drops out, but takes a semester of college off to sit by me in the hospital again. Wow. Hey, this, this, this girl, I mean... I don't give her enough credit. I really don't. Um, you know, my mom and my dad were amazing, but, you know, my lifeline in a lot of senses and the person who was really there and took took a beating from all of it, really just dealing with doctors and everybody at a, such a young age was my sister. Um, but I was also really fortunate, too, to be in the hospital surrounded by a ton of guys that were, you know, quite frankly, worse off than I am, you know. I'm doing pretty damn good since I at least have one leg. You know, some of the guys that I turned to for motivation and to kind of selfishly pull strength from were the guys that were triple amputees. And I saw them getting up and, you know, kicking my ass constantly and doing all these things. Or, you know, I saw the guys that did have one leg and I saw them running and I wanted to be faster than them. Or I saw them lifting and I wanted to be stronger than them. Um, you know, it there's a lot of different people that really came together and kind of came out of the woodworks to, to get me to where I am now. Um, you know, people tell me I'm strong and that's, I mean, I guess, yes, there's aspects of it, probably more so stubborn or more so crazy than strong, but you know, it, the whole phrase, you know, it takes a village. It truly, t- it truly took a village um, to get me here. Absolutely. And I just feel forever indebted to those people. Wow. I mean, you know, we talk constantly about, it, when you're, you know, when you're really in the abyss and you're struggling, we have a natural tendency as, as you know, people from the military, not to want to ask for help because we don't want to expose our weaknesses, right? To say, hey, we're not tough. Like we, there's an expectation of mm-hmm. toughness. But the the great reality is, is that's when we need to ask for help even more. And and what's interesting now is, you know, as as you've made this you know, this, this change and to repurpose your life in this transition to be a part of these uh, incredible organizations, which are all really a basis of, of that process. So could you talk about the various organizations that you work with, how you started with them and, and how it it's unfolded and, and what kind of, what, what you gain and what, what their main objectives are. Yeah. Um, so there's two organizations that really come to mind right off the bat for me that were a vital in my recovery, but I know that they've also impacted tons of other people, not just veterans, but their, you know, their families and then just other people in general dealing with disabilities. And the first one is Wounded Warrior Outdoors. Um, it's hundred uh, percent volunteer based organization that takes our wounded servicemen and women and veterans um, out on week-long therapeutic outdoor adventures all across North America. So we're talking hunting, you know, hunting bear up in British Columbia to fly fishing in Alaska to doing one-off trips, you know, moose hunting. And um, the one thing that really, you know, caught my attention with Wounded Warrior Outdoors is healing doesn't take place within four walls. No. It just doesn't. The thing that I needed to learn, hmm. especially in relation to my legs, how I was going to use this crazy body of mine was that somebody needed to throw me outside. And when I went on one of these hunts, um, after being injured, you know, I'm, I'm dragging myself through mud. I'm, you know, working my way through trees, climbing mountains and 
doing the things that nobody in the hospital teaches you. And those are the building blocks for the rest of your life. You know, if I don't know how to use my new prosthetic and do, you know, adapt to the situations that life's going to throw at me, how am I ever going to accomplish the other goals that I have in mind? Or hell, if I wanted to have a family, like there's Mm. all these different things that the outdoors provides for you. And Wounded Warrior Outdoors not only provides, you know, the platform to get outside, but it also provides you the brotherhood. Um, Because one of the hardest things that I think we've all dealt with it, you know, I live in the middle of nowhere, Colorado right now. Do you think there's any, you know, military, if you will, brothers and sisters around that I can just, you know, go knock on their door and sit down and, you know, vent and, you know, get things off my chest? No, there's not many of them. Um, So one of the things that it provides is a week or however long that you need to come out and be surrounded by men and women that you can relate to. Um, and we've had responses from kids and from spouses say, thank you for giving me my husband, my wife, my mom, my dad back because that's all I needed. You know, they needed that one moment to be able to get outside and find themselves again, but then also make themselves vulnerable and find people that they can trust. Um, and that's what Wounded Wounded Warrior Outdoors did for me. Um, and us just mm. for others in general. Well, if you think about it, it makes complete sense. I mean, when we're, when we come into this world and we kind of progress from babies and toddlers and we get our legs down from beneath us and we start mobile, first place we head is outside. I mean, and then you, yep. that's when you really start growing. <laughs> I mean, when you get out and get amongst it, right in the outdoors, in that air, making those mistakes and really experiencing everything, you take a hit like that and you lost one, uh, a leg or anything, man. As soon as you get well enough to walk, head outside. Because, I mean, it's just training your body yep. all over. It catches back up with itself uh, because you've had a shock. I mean, uh, a body shock, really. I mean, that's... Soul <laughs> shock. It is, all the way to the core, right? And um, you know, some people deal with phantom pains. And and I, she's right. A lot of the guys we that I hunt with, especially when they first start getting uh, their legs back up underneath them and... And when they get out there, it just shotguns the the recovery. You can only go so far on that bicycle riding in no riding nowhere on a stationary or right. watching a movie or you know talking about it's like hospitals are great for healing us up, man. But if you stay in there long enough, you'll digress. You'll, you you won't make any progress. Just you go the other direction. So always, man, if you're just get outside to start walking. Amen. Yeah, and then. One that I think that we're all kind of familiar with, too, is um, Whiteheart. And Ryan Sotel was the founder of Whiteheart Foundation. And the one thing that I've just, I've been forever in awe of this man is he is so selfless. You know, again, there's not paychecks being taken away from this organization, but he finds veterans and figures out what they need. There's a lot of nonprofits out there right now that, shower people in gifts, shower our vets with four-wheelers and off-road vehicles and, you know, all these toys and nonsense, but they're not really doing anything. They're not providing an opportunity and they're not providing, you know, stepping stones to make progress with their life as a civilian. And the White Heart Foundation, that's what they do. They figure out where a family or, um, or the service member or veteran is actually lacking. You know, just recently they bought um, you know, an adaptable minivan for a family of five that, you know, they didn't even have a working vehicle. Like those are the things that our veterans need, um, you know, so that they can move forward and they can go out and get new careers. They can go forward, go forth with their families. And those are the things that really touch my heart. And that's why I get involved. Um, I mean, there's other ones I'm involved with too. There's merging vets and players. There's obviously the heroes project that I've climbed within the past. Um, there's tons out there, but, um, those are two that really have my heart and are two that I'm really dedicated to. That's awesome. I, I you know, I, I had that great privilege to ride alongside you and Ryan and in that ride and just was blown away by him. He really is doing absolutely phenomenal work. So, you know, please, if you're listening, check out those organizations. Um, they're just, they're amazing. All right. You know, I, w- I want to talk to you about, uh, a part of your recovery, probably the thing that you're most, most known for, at least in the public eye is, you know, your adaptive athlete, uh, endeavors of the climbing, the, the snowboarding. Can you talk about what role the importance of that had in your recovery? Yeah. So sports period, um, is really what got my head and my heart back in the right place. Um, 
you know, I learned a winter sport when I was in the hospital. I was medically cleared to do sit skiing. But of course, I make it out to Breckenridge, Colorado, and they don't ask me what I'm medically cleared to do and ask me what I want to do. And if I say snowboarding. I was in a little bit of trouble when I got back to the hospital. But, you know, being originally from Florida, I needed something totally off my, you know, typical spectrum. You know, I didn't, I was totally unfamiliar with mountains, no idea about snow. I needed something new that would give me the confidence that I could go forth and do whatever it is that I wanted to do with or without my leg. And mm-hmm. that's what that gave to me. And I picked up snowboarding pretty naturally and pretty quickly and, you know, excelled in it. But it was one of those things where, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a seasonal thing. And I needed something that I could do year, you know, year round that I could prove to myself, myself reliance. And, you know, I fought so hard for my independence. I needed, I needed to find something that would still show me that I was independent. And quite frankly, what better, you know, sport or hobby or whatever you want to call it than mountaineering. No one else is going to put one foot in front of the other for you. No one else is going to drag your ass up 28, you know, thousand feet and then get your ass back down. Like that is 100% you. Um, And so that's kind of how they both shaped who I am now, but also, you know, those are the things that I was totally unfamiliar with mentally, physically, and emotionally, but now they've just been such a vital part of getting me to where I am. Um, And I, you know, anybody dealing with any sort of thing, whether it is, you know, you're dealing with a traumatic brain injury or you're dealing with, you know, symptoms of, you know, PTSD or you're obviously physical injuries. Like I encourage everybody to pick the most random sport, things that they have no idea about and go out and try them. Because like I said, it gives you that sense of confidence that you can go out and do whatever it is, you know, find the passion for it and chase it and get it done. I love that. I love that. The fact that you picked the thing that was completely yeah. foreign to you as the building block for your self-confidence. I love that. Yeah, I think that's lot, genius. A lot like this adapt and overcome type of approach here. Well, that's what the core of the Marine Corps is, right? Is adapt, overcome, and kill everything in sight. <laughs> <laughs> and you might not be slaying stacking bodies, but you're certainly slaying adventures out there for sure, right? <laughs> All right, so one of the things I want to talk about now, because I think a dramatic shift in perspective, always, there's always something, you know, when you go down this path in particular where you are and to continue that sense, that greater sense of servitude, right? All of a sudden, you know, you did that cover of ESPN body issue. It blew up. It went crazy, And now all of a sudden, all of these opportunities and speaking engagements and all this stuff kind of floods at you like a tidal wave. Has has it taken long to process the fact that what your new role is, what either God or however you want to describe it, is put laying out in front of you to go out and take this message that you've been cultivating over the past five years and be able to share it with literally millions of people via live audiences or the internet or through Instagram or whatever it may be. How are you handling all that now? Well, you know, I'm just, I am just thankful. You know, like I said, I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones that have really figured out where I think I fit into this world. Like I said, I joined the Marine Corps to serve people. I'm a people person. I genuinely care about and like seeing people succeed. And whether it's as true as I think it is, you know, I heard this um, statistic a couple years ago that we only use 10% of our potential. And that blew my mind. What if if we could inspire the next generations to use 20% of their potential? Imagine what kind of world we would be in there then. Um, And that's really what I've just you know, been using for the driving, you know, driving force behind everything that I'm doing. Because it is, it's exhausting and it's tiring, but I'm staying loyal to the things that I believe in and the things that I want to see happen. You know, somebody could come up to me and throw me 50 grand for talking for 15 minutes. And I'm going to tell you, no, if it doesn't coincide with what I'm trying to promote and what I'm trying to, 
you know, to get, like you said, just getting my message out there, just doing more with your body, doing more with your bodies, being better, being stronger, being faster, and, you know, and just living a wholesome life. Now, all too often we, we get so caught up and with what's going on in the world around us and it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> matter. Um, we just don't, we just don't live our lives anymore. And, you know, unfortunately I've, you know, like I've had that stare down with death a couple of times and, the one thing that I've really gained from it is a totally different perspective on life. And I want to share that with people without them getting to the point where it's too late. I love that, man. That fires me up. Man, cool. I've been thinking about it the whole time. You, you're a poster child for the Marine Corps, almost a Terminator-like because of, because of your hardware you <laughs> carry around and, and the way those kids' eyes light up mm-hmm. when they see you. It's something magical. Anybody's you eyes possess light up. Something, yeah, you possess something. Well, I'm going with the kids here because in the beginning, they if they've never seen a prosthetic, I mean, when they look at you, like, wow, look at this. And it's it's mesmerizing, right? And if you have the attitude to follow that up, the, the joyful, hey, I can teach you how to do anything, and you can push yourself so hard that you could lose one of these and still go even harder. It's it's good to pass it down, right? It's to set it aside because uh, we always have it, but in the back of our minds because it's what we are and, and it, it drives us in everything that we do afterwards. Uh, and you're kind of a living embodiment of that. Legitimately. Yeah, I mean, and you, the, the 2015 and 16, you said you had those those tough years. I, I had them too. I call them my black Spider-Man years. You know what I'm talking about? It's just that, <laughs> <laughs> it's that hard transition out of our, uh, because of what we are and when you, when they pull us away from that, but you, you'll always be a Marine. You always carry that. And uh, it's just kind of when you, the more you think about it and the more this sets in about like what you've accomplished and, and what you're doing now, it, it, the, I think the, the taste of it is just a lot more, uh, it's fulfilling. a lot sweeter. Yeah. And fulfilling and, and you're going in the right direction. I mean, just, you can hear the bliss in your voice. Yeah. I mean, that kind of deal. That's and when so I, cool. you know, when I hear that after somebody has been through some horrible stuff, I know you're happy, and you know you're on the right track, so keep pushing, man. Seriously. What's amazing, Marcus, is... I had a point to make. (laughs) The point is, (laughs) is the leverage of taking that experience and then taking it out to other people in a whole nother level to reinvent yourself to distribute a whole new pathway for other people and to be an inspiration and to carry that shield willingly. I, I love to see you. I love to watch your Instagram page. I, it just fires me up. I, I, I just, I love to see you highlight other people that are in their struggles and just, just climbing the next mountain, the next peak. It's, it's an incredible inspiration to me specifically. Um, before we finish up here, I, I want to ask you one kind of final question for the people that are caught in in the middle right now they're they're in that 2015 16 space for me it was 2003 to 2006 were my dark years um we're, you know for people that are in their fight right now really getting pummeled by that negative insurgency what are some things that based on your experience your life what you've learned what are some things that they can do to help them stay in the fight it's all about perspective, honestly. You know, I know we hear it time and time again. Oh, there's someone worse off than you and this, that, and the other. And I don't care what you've lost, quite frankly, because in the grand scheme of things, you've gained quite a bit. You know, whether that's you lost a limb and you had to come home and you're not necessarily in the military anymore and you're doing this, that, and the other. Look at what you've gained. You've gained people. You've gained experience. You've gained perspective. There's so much out there that we overlook um, and you know, it's, it's the six inches between your ears and what's behind your rib cage. That's where the fight comes from. And we, the, the, the biggest thing that we do is we feel like we're alone. And I had so many people around me and I just chose to overlook them. I chose to overlook them. Everything in your recovery is a choice that you make. No one owes you a damn thing, but you owe it to yourself, you know, to get back up and keep going, Amen. you know, keep going back for more to keep fighting for yourself. No one owes that to you but yourself. And, you know, last and certainly not least, like, you made it home. You're still here. There's a lot of people that didn't. And you should keep going and living in their memory and their honor 
you know, and look to those families and live for those families that are still here. Um, but, you know, otherwise, if, if you make it about yourself and what you're going through and overlooking what's going on around you, you're not going to get anywhere. Amen. Hmm. That's phenomenal. I love that. Perfect. Those are words to live and to die by if you don't adhere to them, man, for sure. Well, listen, I I, I know you're super busy and you probably got to go climb some crazy ass mountain out there today. <laughs> go climb something. You got to go climb something today and I and while we sit around here and and eat and do podcast stuff. But uh where can people find you, follow you, join you on this journey, Kirsty? Yeah, um, you guys can follow me on Facebook. It's just my name, Kirsty Ennis. And uh, actually on Instagram is where I'm most active. And same thing, it's just Kirsty underscore Ennis. But I also encourage everybody, um, I just became co-host of a TV show called Adventures Enabled. And it's one of those things where we are showcasing specifically veterans overcoming the adversities that they face, you know, and specifically in the outdoors. So I really, especially if you do feel like you're alone and you just need a reason um, or need a little bit of motivation to get up and get outside, turn to Adventures Enabled because we have some really great guys. We have my buddy JD coming on that. He's a triple amputee and he goes turkey hunting with me with a bow. He shoots his bow with his mouth. Or, you know, we have wow. all sorts of guys and gals coming out and just, you know, showing what life's really about. That yeah. is awesome, Kirsty. Thank mm-hmm. you so much for coming on and, and sharing with us and sharing with our listeners. Uh, again, you're a real inspiration to all of us, me in particular. I just, I can't get enough. It's, it's, you're amazing. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. Awesome. All right, y'all. Talk to you later. Take care. Bye-bye. Dude. <laughs> First off, I, you know, when you think you think about this poor girl whose whole life was just to become a marine, right? Marine. You don't hear that coming out of a you don't hear that a lot. Well, you I mean, I've heard it from dudes. No, no, so I'm talking about I have a yeah, out of a girl's girl. mouth. Yeah, I mean, exactly. when they're when they're kids, sure, but all the way to getting it done, that's, that's Oh, bro. That's what I'm saying. But you had two parents, right? That were both story about her mom, do right? or die, and her, the way her mom did it, right? I mean, that's intense. I love the just the whole way that packages itself together. She has two marine parents. She has the marine mother. The way that her her mother became a marine, how much she idolized her going through, then the arc of her career, where she ends up becoming a role model to so many more. Where her mother, the marine, was her role model. It was, of course, as well as her father. It's just, it's just such a cool sequence there. Very cool. Yeah, when you see a family who has a pass down like that. That's serious. That's yeah, cool. And now, like you, what I love about it is that she's taken this platform of servitude, really at it, and the Marine Corps sense of servitude is deep, right? And now she's, she's, she's given a massive piece of herself, right, literally and metaphorically, to re invent herself to rebuild herself in a way that's preparing her to reach infinitely more people or serve more people than she would have ever served in the Marine Corps. And and that's mm-hmm. what the three Absolutely. of us talk about all the time, right? Absolutely. I, I mean, I remember when we first few, few sessions back, we're sitting around and we're looking at each other, shaking our heads going, you know, here we we thought we were going to have the highest level servitude possible by being in the SEAL teams, by standing next to our brothers in combat. But yet, man, we're we're closing in on 4 million downloads on this show as podcasters, delivering a message of never quit to literally people from all walks of life around the world. I know we've received far more letters of appreciation from people whose lives we've touched than the number I received for touching the lives of others with a gun in my hand, which was exactly zero. Zero. (laughs) Zero letters of appreciation from the other side. Not that it wasn't a worthy pursuit, and uh, did I not enjoy it. However, letters of appreciation, definitely more in this uh, line of work. Right? To be able to now do what we're doing, like like Kirsty's doing, 
like affecting that kid, that little girl who looked at her and in her entire perspective on the possibilities of life changed in just one visual stimulation, right? And mm-hmm. for us, in just hearing one story, and that's why, like our slogan, "Great Stories Ignite Legends," it's so it's so true, and that's that, that's such a blessing to be able to do, man. I just hope she she keeps driving on, right? Oh, absolutely. And the misconception that you're not serving the uniform because you're not wearing it anymore. That was a comment that you made that I thought was was absolutely perfect. She continues as a representative. Right, you need to get over that part. I mean, hell, the only time I ever put my uniform on was when I was in trouble, right? (laughs) Which was a lot. It was a lot. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, guys. But, uh, or our combat uniform. And right. other than that, man, day to day life and every other bit, all the other business, man, we you can you short can, shorts. Yes, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> rip tea, rip tea, Ralph. <laughs> I just really liked your comment because she just got done talking about how she was disappointed that she couldn't continue, you know, as a marine yeah, yeah. who for so long in her life she had been working towards that. But then your comment that she really is still a marine because she represents. The Marine Corps, it's a, it will forever be a part of who she is, who she is seen as in the public eye. I just thought that was so relevant. When you yeah, people get out, when, when they get out of the military, they're like, oh, I don't represent the military anymore. Well, you can if you want. Yeah, right? You're the one that said you don't do that. I yeah. mean, they, they don't make you not there you go. say yeah, yeah, anything yeah. nice about them anymore now that you're out. That's, that's not a real thing. Uh, just because, and I, man, I'll never forget the Admiral, he told me this. Kind of broke my heart. I understand now the point he was trying to make but he he goes, you're doing more now for the for the teams than you did while you were <laughs> right, in. Right, right. i was like what <laughs> damn the truth damn that's a heartbreaking co- i'm not gonna work my ass off and try to be a good team guy sir could, you could at least give me a little you were a good team guy but, <laughs> but admirals are so great he's just like oh yeah you're way doing way more now than you ever did while you're in i was like <laughs> Uh, man, that's you the only time. You gotta call like one of your best my, friends. Hey, time, dude, could I, was I any good? Damn, hey man. <laughs> yeah, because when old man come, when a, when, a, when the old man goes comes down on you, it's legit. It's the truth. <laughs> he was being nice to me. Yeah. You know, he's complimenting me at the same time, breaking my heart. A wet blank on yeah. your ego. Yeah, right. Yeah. When he finally retired, I I asked him about that um, one time, and he didn't see it. You know, obviously he wasn't coming. And he goes, oh. I go, no, I ain't no big deal, man. I, sir, I, you know, I, yeah, yeah, <laughs> sir. I love it. Well, listen, <laughs> if, 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 again, if, if this is the first time you're tuning into the Team Never Quit podcast, well, Semper Fi, we're stoked to have you. Thank you so much for joining. You just heard an amazing, incredible story from Kirsty. And, and I got to tell you, you know, thanks for, for finally finding us. And if, if you're coming back, again and again man we love you we love you so much because without you this show wouldn't be what it is and and we're really our our mission in life is to create this incredible community of never quitters right people that come together they 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 engage in these wonderful amazing stories whether it's from Kirsty or Lance Armstrong or Bernie Carrick or whoever all the other people we're interviewing or it's our reader, our listener write-in stories. And and we're just so proud to have those posted. If you want to, if you feel inspired and you want to write yours in, go ahead. There's a space on our website at tnqpodcast.com where you can go to show uh, uh, write-in stories, fill in, send in, send in a picture. Even if it's not your story, send us a story about someone you know and care about that has a great never quit story. Because it, we we would go through them. If they're awesome, you know, we're going to post them at, at a minimum. If they're awesome, we're going to read them here on the air, right? And if they're super, if they blow us away, Marcus. I'm going to own. And that's awesome. All right. I just, I'm floored by this. How many times you said that? Huh? How many times you said that? Uh, become a Every line. day, every time. Right. Coming on. How many are we done now? How many 70s? shows? In the 70s. In the 70s. That's pretty fired up. We are official. Well, would. When we do 100, when we hit our 100, it were official mm, podcasts. Who we haven't? Someone big. They're all big. Well, big, big. <laughs> big, big. Like the most crazy never quit story you've ever heard in your life. 
All right. I want to give thanks. I want to give thanks to the Lord Almighty for giving me everything. I want to thank my beautiful girls, the bear and the bruiser. I want to talk, thank my family. I want to thank all my friends, all my brothers in the teams, in the brotherhood. I want to thank the brotherhood for giving me what you gave me. I want to thank Kirsty for coming on. God bless you. Please keep doing what you're doing. You are a true inspiration to all. I want to thank the Marine Corps for kicking ass for so long, right? <laughs> the two. I want to thank the two of you, man, because without you two, we couldn't get this show done. And and I just am so privileged and honored to be a part of this, man. God bless you. Thank you, Kirsty. Thank you again for coming on, and uh, I enjoyed that, man. Hearing her story, you absolutely. You're a Marine. You keep carrying that line and pushing forward because you're 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 cutting awake. You can't even believe, man. There's people falling in behind that, and they're going to do a lot of great things. And everybody who keeps bringing us back, I still can't believe it, man. It, it's amazing that that y'all do that. So thank you so much for that, and to. Uh, to my family for letting us do this and, and you know, when you bring it up, man, it's it's good to toss a shout out to our teammates, right? Amen. Those ornery bastards. I love them so much, man. <laughs> it's the best fraternity to ever be in. I mean, the good, bad, and the indifferent, what we get hit that hit by, man. I tell you, we were talking about that. Like, if they're not yelling at me and you, then that means they're really pissed. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I love them for their brutal honesty and just for a great life. Thank y'all for that. I'm out. Out.